It's all about the heart. That's, that's what God is doing in us. That's what he's working in us. He, he wants to work on our hearts. And we've been spending the fall now talking about David as a, as a shepherd, a boy, as a king, and we're trying to understand his heart because we know that as we understand uh, the journey of his soul, we get a, a glimpse into our own. We see a man who was just incredibly deeply loved by God, and here's the thing, he knew it. He knew it, he believed it. He embraced that truth. And we've been just trying to live into that and see how is, how, how is God going about growing a, a great heart in us, growing a heart that reflects his heart. What does that look like? So today we're going to be uh, taking a shift and looking at the way David's heart connected with other people. How, how, do you, how do you go about forming spiritual friendships that really make a difference in our lives? But before we go there, we want to just continue to stay with where our hearts are right now. You know, there's a great church leader, his name was John Wesley, and when he had the opportunity to be with people and he was asking them deeply reflective questions, he's at, he'd ask them, how is it with your soul? How are things going with your soul? We, we, need to, we need to do that sometimes. We need to ponder deeply what's happening in our, in our lives and our hearts on a, on a soul level. What, what's the deep stuff that's happening inside? That's what communion is about. Communion is a time every week to come and to be quiet and to be reflective. And, and so we, the way we handle communion around here, if you're new, new to our church, we, just, we want you to know kind of the, the way we do this and, and what we do. We believe this is an opportunity for us to really go deep, deep into our soul, deep into our hearts. So uh, one of the things we do every week is we take a, a passage of Scripture and we read that passage, and we do that without commentary, don't sit here and explain what the passage means, but we allow, we allow the Word of God to do the speaking. And for you to sit there then and listen for a word or a phrase or something that just, it grabs your heart, it takes hold, it's the place that God wants to speak to you today. And it's amazing when you'll really tune into that, sometimes the things you'll connect with that you're like, where'd that come from? Well, it came from God. God God's wanting to connect with your heart today. After that reading, Settle in for a minute of silence. We believe that's one of the great church gifts the church can give to people. You don't get silence anywhere else. Everywhere else there's noise and, and stuff coming at you all the time. But we actually take a minute to just be quiet, to pause in the presence of God. And, and then we're going we're gonna to start adding a little piece to this that, that I think can be really meaningful for us. The other night in our, in our conversations journey group, it's a, a, a meeting with a group of people who are newer to the church, and one of the people asked, uh, do you ever do the Lord's Prayer? And I'm like, yeah, we do sometimes. We just have not done it as regularly as we could. And so I thought, what a, what a great thing to come after that time of silence, to come out of the silence to a, to a unison prayer, the voices and hearts of the people of God being lifted up to him. So sometimes we'll do the Lord's Prayer, sometimes something else, but today we're going we're gonna to pray the Lord's Prayer uh, to God. And as we do, here's the thing about the Lord's Prayer these days. Uh, if you were to look around the room, we come from about 97 different de- denominations. We're all over the place, and, and all of us have different ways of praying this prayer. You know, some of you come to a, from a background where you don't pray the end some do these and thous, some do trespasses, some do deaths, some do, sin, some, some do sin. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place, you know what I mean? And so we'll put a version on the screen that we'll all do together, but, but here's what we recognize. Uh, these things have, they've worn uh, beautiful, well-worn paths into our souls. And sometimes you just say what you've always said, and that's okay. God hears, God understands. To be honest, uh, the fact that it's a little messy reflects exactly who we are. We're a mess before God, and he loves us anyway. So Brian's going to come right now, and he's going to be reading Psalm 39, which is a very reflective psalm, a psalm where David was just being quiet in the presence of God. And in fact, a couple times during the passage, he'll literally say, pause in his presence, that word salah, that is just be quiet think about this for a moment. Then we'll be quiet for our minute, and we'll come back out to the Lord's Prayer. And then we're actually going to join in. You'll be staying seated today for communion, and uh, we're going to be led in a song that gives us the chance to respond prayerfully about how our soul is. Again, this is Psalm 39. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. 
The more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Pause in his presence. We are merely moving shadows. And all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Rescue me from my rebellion. Do not let fools mock me. I am silent before you. I won't say a word, for my punishment is from you. But please stop striking me. I am exhausted by the blows from your hand. When you discipline us for our sins, you consume like a moth what is precious to each of us. Each of us is but a breath. Pause in his presence. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cries for help. Do not ignore my tears, for I am your guest, a traveler passing through, as my ancestors were before me. Leave me alone so I can smile again before I am gone and exist no more. Let's join our voices in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
What does it mean to love one another? Is it an emotion of the heart? An act of service? A force of the will? Can love ever truly be defined? We think so often in simple terms, but real love goes much deeper. It strengthens the weak, helps those in need, lives in harmony with all people, and holds us accountable. Love means carrying each other's burdens, admonishing and instructing, showing compassion and feeling it too, spurring one another to good deeds, confessing and forgiving, building and maintaining trust, being of one mind no matter our differences. Love means accepting others for who they are and allowing ourselves to be changed in the process. So love holds us together, grafted by faith into the one true Christ, whose example compels us to love one another. So there's a little word in the English language. You almost couldn't survive without it. I, I, you barely make it through a sentence without using it. Certainly tough to make it through a paragraph, and you'd never make it through the whole day. It's the word the. The is an important word. The word the is referred to in English grammar as a definitive article, and a whole bunch of you just left the room. I know. Here we go. Little grammar lesson. It's not generic like the little word a or an. The, those are indefinite articles. When I say an apple, for example, I may be referring to any number of apples, but if I say the apple... I'm referring to a specific apple. Uh, it's defin- definite as opposed to indefinite. It's not generic, but it's very specific. Now, sometimes we'll take that little word, the, and we'll change it from a shorty to a longy. We won't just say the, we'll say the, the. And, and it's, it's our way of saying this is the ultimate. This is the epitome. This is the very best. You know, we just, we, 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 Put it on steroids. So here, let me give you some examples. Uh, for, here, here's one for you. The Joliet West Tigers are the football team to follow through the playoffs this year, all right? Sorry, Manuka, next year, but the Tigers this year. How about this one? The best caramel apple in the area is from Dan's Candies, and you only have a couple weeks left, so you better get on it because it's going to be a long, cold winter, and you need your dance, Okay. The team to follow up to the World Series are the Cubs. Can you believe it? It's crazy. I know. It's amazing. The fear of every Cubs fan is this guy. You're just waiting for him to come out. You're waiting for him to climb on the back. Now, I know this one's going to start a fight. Actually, more than one. The greatest Cubs fan of all times is this little guy. Look at this shirt. My daddy loves mommy. My daddy loves me. My daddy loves the Chicago Cubs. He loves all three. Isn't that sweet? Some loving parent must have bought this even before this child was born. I mean, just trying to influence him in a godly path, you know? Who's this child, you might ask? Yes. Yes. The grown-up version. This is proof that a kid can be raised right and still wander into darkness. But anyway, you get the idea, right? Well, if I were to refer to the friendship in the Bible, it would have to be the relationship between David and Jonathan. David is this future king of Israel, and he forms a deep, enduring relationship with King Saul's oldest son, the guy that's next in line to the throne, and his name is Jonathan. David and Jonathan offer us the case study in friendship in the Bible. And this morning, we're looking at them to understand how we go about growing a heart that's connecting. How do we grow a connecting or connective heart? So I want you to hear this passage from chapter 18, verses 1 to 4. We read, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. And from that day on, Saul kept David with him and would not let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. It is not possible to understand the development of David's heart and his soul apart from knowing some of his most significant relationships. So last week we looked at King Saul, and in that we saw a man, the man who despised David the most. Today we're looking at Jonathan, the person who delighted deeply in David's existence. David and Jonathan share an immediate kinship. It's an immediate bond. 
And I like to think of it as a spiritual friendship. The other night we were talking in our conversations class about the history and heartbeat of our church. And in that, we talked about six values that we hold very dear. This is, this is what we're all about. You notice the second one. The second one is all about relationships. We believe that these activities need to be in place if we're going to see life change take place in the people of our church. Relationships matter. We believe that as beings created in God's image, we are like him and that we are relational. We also believe that life change takes place best in the context of relationship, whether it be a journey group or a serving team or, or just informally as friends. We need friendships to grow. The term we use is spiritual friendships, a friendship that is you know, spiritual in nature. So let's start with the word, word friendship. A friend is a very broad term when we use it. For some, a friend is a reference to an intimate soulmate. For another, it's the person who gave you their cart at Aldi without asking for a quarter in return. Oh, my friend. Friendship is really about relationship, isn't it? A friend is a person with whom I have a mutual bond, an affinity, and a companionship. They may not be the person who is closest to us, but the relationship has moved beyond the acquaintance level. There's a connecting that's starting to take place at a soul level. This kind of relationship is life-changing if it is spiritual in nature. And by spiritual, I mean it finds a mutuality and an affinity in God and the things of God. I'm not talking the loosely defined woo-woo kind of touchy-feely spirituality that a lot of people refer, refer to today. No, it's a relationship that is rooted in God, rooted in the things of God. So how would we define a spiritual friendship? A spiritual friendship is a life-giving relationship. I'd almost like to just pause for a moment there and just let that sink in. It's a life-giving. It gives life, a life-giving relationship that draws awareness to the presence and movement of God in our story. So it's giving life and it's helping me to see God's fingerprints on me and God's movement all around me, helping me to recognize his clear and sure call on my life, helping me to see me the way God sees me. This person may be comforting and challenging, caring and corrective, celebrate with me, and have great concern for me as well. Uh, we'd have to say that the theme verse in the Bible on this kind of spiritual friendship is Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. So today we're going to look at one of the healthiest and most beneficial spiritual relationships in the Bible. What made that relationship work? What made it more than just a, a simple, everyday acquaintance kind of friendship. What made it distinctly spiritual? As we look into this relationship, we're going to be helped in two ways. One is that I hope it'll help us to recognize the many graces that God has extended our way. As we're talking about different characteristics of a spiritual friendship, I hope that God will bring faces and events before your mind that will remind you of the time that God has either given you this kind of friendship or you've been this kind of friendship to someone, this kind of friend to someone else. But beyond that, I hope that what it'll do is define a target. Not every friendship is going to be a spiritual friendship, but we need some spiritual friendships if we're going to grow in Christ. If we're not there now, we need to know how to move toward it, both in terms of the, the kind of friend we need to be and the kind of friend we need to look for. So to understand this friendship better between David and Jonathan, we're going to look at a story that helps us to understand the hardwiring of Jonathan. Gives us an idea of who he is even before he had ever heard the name David. We get acquainted with Jonathan's story back in 1 Samuel 14. It, for me, is one of the most fascinating stories in the Bible. I mean, I just I love this story. A few years back, I had the chance to hear Erwin McManus preach on this on an evening, and I was captivated by this story. It's amazing. There's no way I can do it justice in this short couple of minutes, but we're going to go for it anyway. The Philistines have been hassling Israel. They just keep bugging them, and, and, and they won't stop. And Israel is just sitting back passively and allowing the hassling to take place. So in chapter 14, verse 1, we read, one day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have, have their outpost. And it says, but Jonathan didn't tell his father. He didn't tell the king what he was going to do. So they head on over. To reach that camp, they have to go between rocky cliffs. I listen to him talk to his armor bearer. I love this. He says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether by many warriors or by only a few. And I love the armor bearer's response. I mean, it's just amazing. 
do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. I mean, talk about loyalty. He is all in with Jonathan. Let's go do this. Now, we need a little perspective before we go too much further. Jonathan and the armor bearer. I have a daughter who's a math teacher. We have an abundance of engineers in this church, okay? Just a lot of people that are really into math. So I just want to check and make sure that I have this right. One plus one equals what? Oh, come on, really? Are you there? One plus one equals what? Yeah, okay, okay. So um, new math hasn't changed that. Good. So one plus one is two. Two of them and one sword between them. That's all they got. And then you have the Philistine camp. 600 people. Ah, okay. Sounds a little challenging. You know, you watch those TV shows sometimes where, where there's like a battle going on. The two guys hunker down in a cabin and, you know, people just keep coming out of the woods and coming out of the woods and coming out of the woods and you're like, how in the world are they going to get out of this? Well, they're going to get out of it because the script says they will. But these guys, I mean, you know, two people, 600, here we go. So, verse 8, I mean, you just got to read this. Just kind of let it settle in. All right then, we'll cross over and let them see us. Now, I don't know about you right there. I'm just thinking, have you ever heard of camouflage? Come on. You know, no. We'll cross over. We'll let them see us. Hey, we're here. If they say, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop. We won't go to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, we'll go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. Now, I never had an ounce of military training, but I'm kind of thinking, are you kidding me? Really? I just... Let that verse sink in. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll scream and wave, and if they say, come on up, surely we're supposed to win. This is, this, I'm not a military strategist, but it seems really messed up. I mean, he's doing the exact opposite of what even a D student at West Point would suggest. Okay, he's, let's go for it. So here are the rest of the story. It's just, it's, it's crazy amazing. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to them, come on up here, and we'll teach you a lesson. What does Jonathan say? Hey, hey, come on, climb right behind me, for the Lord will help us defeat them. You keep going, it says, for they climbed, for they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over half an acre. So, you know, where are the cars are parked out there? Bodies, 20 of them laying there. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outpost and raiding parties. Just then an earthquake struck, and everybody was terrified. And look at the results a little bit further down in the passage. Then Saul and all the men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. They were terribly confused. There was terrible confusion everywhere. And verse 23, don't miss it. So the Lord saved Israel that day. So to understand spiritual friendship, you have to understand this first element. Spiritual friends share common ground. There's common ground between them. Can you see why Jonathan loved David? I mean, think about this for a moment. The the battle with Goliath isn't going to happen for another three chapters. Jonathan's not heard of David yet. I I suspect he was tired. He was tired of his father's fear. He was tired of the passivity of the army. He knew the God of angel armies is always on our side. This man of tremendous courage finds kinship in the soul of a giant slayer. Finally, someone with whom I share common ground. Someone who is not afraid to stand up to God's enemies and fight. They shared common ground. This is what attracted them to each other. And a lot of times, common ground is the attracting point. It's the magnet that pulls us together. They shared common values and convictions. This is God's fight, not our own. They shared common character. They were courageous to the core of their beings. They shared a common cause. We will defeat this enemy together. And they shared a common God. Jonathan's spirit was captivated by God as much as David's. I mean, Jonathan may not have played the harp and he didn't write psalms, but this man's heart was deeply connected to God. And that was the starting point of their lasting friendship. If you're going to have a spiritual friendship, it's going to be based on the common ground that you find with each other in your relationship with God. So let's go back to where we started, back to chapter 18. I want you to notice a few lines in here. They're really important. It says, for example, For Jonathan loved David. For Jonathan made a solemn pact with David. He, Jonathan, loved he, David, as himself. Jonathan sealed the pact. We see, we see two dynamics at play here. First of all, Jonathan is the initiator of this relationship. I mean, time and time again, Jonathan is the one taking lead. He's not sitting back and waiting for friendship to come to him. He's saying, I'm going I'm to establish a spiritual relationship with this man. And that initiative leads to commitment. 
Jonathan initiates the relationship. He's the risk taker. He makes himself vulnerable. He puts his heart out there, risking embarrassment and rejection. And in the process, what he does is he offers clear expressions of commitment to David. Jonathan initiates the relationship. And and in this case, you got to think about it. He's the superior. He's the king's son. And he extends friendship to someone who is lower in social class than himself. He makes a threefold commitment to David. All this without David offering Jonathan one thing. David hasn't brought anything to the table yet. Jonathan makes three covenants with David. What's a covenant? Well, it's a promise on steroids, okay? It's a, it's a deep commitment that holds grave consequences if, if it is broken. So what are the covenants? The first covenant is simply, I want to be your friend. 1 Samuel 18.3 says, and Jonathan made a solemn pact because he loved him as he loved himself. He said, I'm going to extend friendship to you. And the question here is one of companionship. He says, I'm going to give you my companionship. I want to be your friend. The second covenant was the, the covenant of being an ally, being someone who would fight with him and fight for him. So that 1 Samuel 20, 16 says, so Jonathan made a, a solemn pact with David saying, may the Lord destroy all of your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. When it comes to an ally, it's a question of loyalty. Jonathan said, I swear my loyalty to you. And the third covenant was the covenant of a servant. He said, I exist to serve you. I'm here to serve you. In verse 23, chapter 23, verses 16 to 18, we read these words. Jonathan went to find David and encourage him to stay strong in his faith in God. That verse right there, that's what spiritual friendship is all about. Here's a man who, who in David's dark moment says, I want to get your eyes back on God. I want you to get your eyes back in the right place. Don't be afraid. My father will never find you. You're going to be king of Israel, and I will be next to you, as my father saw as well, Saul is well aware. Do you see what's going on there? He knows already, I'm not going to be king, and I'm not jealous. I'm actually going to stand along with you. I will serve you. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while David stayed at Horish. With, with the issue of serving, it's a question of cost. How much am I willing to pay to give for this friendship? Jonathan's sacrificial love for David foreshadows two beautiful passages in the New Testament. One by Jesus, greater love has no man for this than that he lay down his life for a friend. And John the Baptist's line, he must increase and I must decrease. What else is happening in the dynamics of a spiritual relationship? We find a person that can see in me what God sees in me. This is a person who looks at me and, and they see beyond the skin. They see the spiritual. They see not just potential, but they see what God sees in me. So going back again to chapter 18, verses 1 to 4, we have this interesting ending. It says, Jonathan sealed the pack by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his belt, and his bow. Now, now, lots of friends exchange trinkets and clothing, right? It happens. I get that. Uh, I don't know if they do it as much as they used to do back in the day, but, you know, a boy and a girl were going out. The guy would give the girl a letter jacket. guy would give a class ring wrapped with yarn like crazy, all that kind of stuff. We're together. Sometimes friends will, you know, do matching T-shirts. I'm with stupid, that kind of thing. We have things that we do that kind of say, uh, we're friends. I want to give you a gift. Jonathan seals the pack by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Now, what's going on? Did he not have any other gifts to give? He just says, hey, have what I have on me. What's up with this? Scholars believe that this is not a casual thing. It wasn't wasn't just an afterthought. Most likely what is going on here is that Jonathan recognizes that God has called David to be king, and he wants David to know that he sees this, and he wants to bless it. He wants to say, if that's what God wants for you, I'm all in for that. He wants David to live up to what it means to be king. And so Jonathan takes off his royal robe and he hands it to David. And Jonathan takes off his sword as a sign of authority and freely gives it up to David. I wonder, in years later, when Jonathan is dead and gone, how many times David went back and looked at that robe, looked at that sword, and was reminded of the tremendous gift of spiritual friendship that he had been given in this man named Jonathan. Can you see what this guy is doing and giving these things? He's saying, David, I see in you what God sees in you. I see in you the future king of Israel, and I will sacrifice 
all I have to sacrifice in order to see God's dream for you to come true. Now, let the point not be lost. Jonathan is Saul's oldest son. No person has more to lose than Saul when it comes to David becoming king than Jonathan does. And as his story unfolds more and more, Jonathan is quite conscious of what is happening at a cosmic level. He will never sit on his father's throne. He will never rule Israel In all of this, there is never even an inkling, a twinge of jealousy indicated on Jonathan's part. Jonathan wants for David what God wants for David, even if that dream will occur at Jonathan's expense. That's a spiritual friend. A spiritual friend sees in me what God sees in me and invests in making sure that it comes to pass. Here's another piece of spiritual friendship. A spiritual friend stands up for the one called friend. Or a spiritual friend has your back. They've got your back along the way. With, in Jonathan, what we see is he was a defender. He defended, for example, David's character. He actually goes into Saul. Saul's in one of his fits of rage. He is not in a great mood. Do you ask your parents for things when you're not in a great mood? No. You wait until there's happiness, and then you go have the conversation. Saul is furious. He knows that he's already taken that spear and thrown it at David a couple times. And what does he do? He goes in and he says, David's a good guy. David's got good motives. David is actually standing with you, fighting for you, not fighting against you. Why in the world do you want to do this to him? He defends David's character. He's also a deflector of danger. Time and time again, Jonathan puts himself between David and Saul to make sure that David stays safe. So how do we go about this standing up for the one called friend? Because let's face it, there aren't too many people, you know, chucking spears at us or anything like that. At least not physical ones, maybe Facebook spears, but nonetheless. How does it work for us practically today? I think there are two ways that we can stand up for our friends. One is clearly that we stand up for them before God. Not that we're defending them before God, but we're praying for them. We're saying, God, notice my friend down here. My friend needs help. I'm, I'm standing here on behalf of my friend. Hear my prayer. We intercede for them. That's one way that we can stand up for them. Another way that we can stand up for them that I wish more people would do is to simply, for the sake of their friend, give them the benefit of doubt. Why in the world are we so quick to believe of our friends the stories we hear about them, the rumors and the lies that we hear about them? Why in the world do we not just as friends, as spiritual friends, people who have actually started to know this person's heart say, you know what, that has not been my experience with them. That is not the way I receive them. And and until I have some solid evidence otherwise, I'm standing with my friend. I'm not just going to go ahead and go along with this kind of stuff. You know, the fact of the matter is, if we, have to, if we take the approach in life that everyone is guilty until proven innocent, we will have few friends. For friends cannot prove their innocence time and time again. And so what do we do in standing up? We say, you know what? You can count on me to stand with you. Stand with you before God and stand with you before other people. Now, we're going to draw a line right here because now, now the relationship starts to just really plunge, plunge deeply beyond the, be below the waterline. Here's another thing a spiritual friend does for us. A spiritual friend keeps me honest. They keep me in the right place. In, in chapter 20, verse 1, there's this moment where David says to Jonathan about Saul, what have I done? What is my crime What have I done to offend your father that he is determined to kill me? What what have I done? And it's in this moment that a door is opened up, that, that, that David really extends an invitation to Jonathan, and he says, come on into the sacred soil of my soul. Come on in here and help me to understand not only my actions but my motives. What have I done wrong? Not only in my actions, but what have I done wrong actually in my motivation? Is there something in my motivation that is impure? Something in my motivation that needs to be changed, that needs to be fixed? This is spiritual relationship at its most beautiful level. Where we're willing and able to be vulnerable with someone else and not just say, tell me about what I'm doing, but help me to explore why I'm doing it. Now let me say that why part. That always comes. We, we only step there when the invitation is extended. Because if we, if we step there before the, uh, the invitation extended, that's what the Bible calls judging. 
When we start determining what another person's motive is, we can't know their motivation. We can't know their heart, and it's not our place. We can know their actions. I saw you do that. I mean, that's not judgment. That's fact. There it is. But when it comes to motive, now we're, getting, now we're going to a place that only God, only God can reveal. And so the person extends the invitation to us, come onto the holy ground of my soul and help me. Help me to understand why I am doing what I am doing. And we're given that invitation, we tread carefully. And we help them through a series of well-placed questions. Not just stating, well, here's what I think, but, but listening to them, questioning them, challenging them to get them to probe deeper into what's going on in their soul. When we are invited to step onto the soil of another person's soul that way. When they say, help me understand why I am doing what I am doing, that is a beautiful, intimate place. And you can offer them a safety and security that really helps them to grow. Spiritual friends do this as well. They help me keep my eye on the bigger picture incredibly beautiful verse that we read just a couple moments ago. 1 Samuel 23, 16. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Do you see the initiative there again? I mean, if there's one thing about Jonathan we learn, this guy is an initiator. He doesn't sit back and wonder if I should call, wonder what I should do, wonder this, wonder that. He just, he steps out there. He goes, he says, hey, I've heard, I've heard David is down I'm taking the initiative on that. He went to find David, encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. I mean, can you hear the conversation? Hey, Dave, do you remember when you took out that giant Goliath? That was an awesome day. I mean, that was incredible. You know, you never could have done that without God. Or, or maybe, Dave, do you remember that song you used to sing? Get out your harp. You know that one about shepherd song, the Lord is my shepherd? Go ahead, let's, let's sing that one together. Jonathan helped David to remember his God. Got his eyes on the bigger picture of what was going on. A spiritual friend reminds me of God's presence. They remind me of God's past activity in my life. They remind me of God's promises toward me. They remind me of God's purposes for me. And so you might ask yourself this morning, how in the world do we know if we have a spiritual friendship? You know, if we got eight out of ten on the list, do we have a spiritual friendship? How do we know? I, I don't know that we always know until after the friendship is done. I, I really wonder sometimes if when we, when we know that we've had a spiritual friendship when for some reason they're not there anymore and we feel the hole, we feel the emotion, we feel the sadness and the grief that is left by their absence. There comes a day in the life of these two men that they have to part and they won't see each other again on this earth. We read these words. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. They kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the more. David bawled like a baby because he knew he had been given an incredibly beautiful gift from God. And the hole in his heart was going to be huge. It was going to hurt so bad. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to his town. You see, when this kind of friendship comes to its earthly end, the pain is intense. We know in reality, it's not the end. We'll be together forever, but there is an intense feeling of loss. And it is that potential for loss that causes some of us to say, and that's why I never form friendships. I stay, I stay nice and safe over here because I just can't stand the pain of when they go away. I mean, you know, beautiful line, congratulations, you're safe. Uh, you're not growing spiritually because you need friends to grow, right? It's not what's best for your spiritual health. That potential for loss will keep some of us from ever sinking our roots deeply into the life of another person. And that kind of fear is so sad. It's so debilitating. Don't give into it. Fight for connection. Fight to go deep. Fight connect, to connect with other people who know and love God with whom you can form a spiritual friendship. If not for Jonathan's initiative, we would have lost out on one of humanity's great friendships. He took the initiative. A spiritual friendship is a life-giving relationship that draws awareness to the presence and movement of God in our story. So let me ask you a few questions as we draw this to the close. Do you have that with anyone? Even pieces of it. 
Do you have that with anyone? Not just a, hey, how about them cubs relationship. Do you have that with anybody where God is actually part of what's going on in the relationship? Are you moving toward that with anyone? You're kind of hopeful. You're like, wow, this, this relationship may actually go somewhere. Are you being that for someone? You see, I think one of the great points of this story is that people look at the story of David and Jonathan and they say, where's my Jonathan? Oh, man, I just need a Jonathan. I need one so bad. Instead of saying, for whom can I be a Jonathan? For whom can I be this person? Totally self-sacrificial wanting what was best for another person. I believe that's where God wants to move us. He wants to move us not toward simply being David the receiver, but Jonathan the initiator, who said, I desire to be a strong spiritual friend to you, and I'll do whatever it takes to see that happen. Father God in heaven, I am grateful to you for the friendship that you've extended toward us. You gave us Jesus so that we could have eternal life. But beyond that, you gave us Jesus so that, your word says it, we could be friends with God. Thank you for that. Thank you for that kind of love. Oh God, today, help us to take the steps. Maybe, maybe not on the entire list this afternoon. <laughs> but to just take the initiative in one or two places with someone that, that we might just be saying, hmm, there could be something good here. And for a lot of us, that good thing could actually happen with our spouses because they can be great spiritual friends too. It might even be a grown kid. But, but somewhere out there, there's someone that you're saying, this person, they'll help you to grow and you could do the same for them. Help us to find the common ground, that magnet that draws us together today. In Jesus' name, amen. So our servers are getting ready to receive the offering. You got a card on the inside of the folder. Make sure you get your name on that. Got some checkoffs on the back for classes coming up and whatever. And uh, Brian, go ahead and so before, run. Before servers come, uh, we do have one announcement that is... It's for you. <laughs> okay, so uh, just in case any of you are wondering, for the next, I don't know, week or so before the Cubs are knocked out, the rest of us, Cardinal fans, White Sox fans, and general uh, people who have a general distaste for what's happening, we'll be meeting in this closet uh, for the next... <laughs> I will be called an ungodly alliance as opposed to a spiritual friendship. But anyway, go ahead. You can do it. This Tuesday, uh, we are going to be having a real group uh, that is called Who Am I? It's the second part of our uh, one-time conversation series, and uh, last week we talked about who are we, who are we as the church. This week, it's going to be more focused individually. So again, trying to realize what gifts God has given you and how you can use those uh, to Again, uh, plug into the church, make a difference. And again, this is going to be a little longer than last week because it, is, it does go a little deeper and it is uh, because you're, we're looking at ourselves. Uh, there's a little more room for conversation, so it'll be from 7 to 9 this Tuesday. Uh, then we have our, um, new, bege- or our new connections, right? Mm-hmm. New connections, yeah. I'm sorry, not new beginnings. Uh, I'm all flustered now. I know you are. It's kind of lovely. New Go connections. <laughs> new connections if you are new to the church or uh, just new to church in general and you have questions uh, about who we are, uh, anything like that, and you want that opportunity to plug into Southfield, New Connections meets from 3.30 to 5 every Sunday here at the building. So just because you didn't catch it at the beginning or you, you may not be signed up, you can drop by um, and See if that, um, that group is, is for you. Now, again, as I said, there, that group is actually led by a Cubs fan, so if you're looking for a real connection, uh, the closet, Sunday, 3.30 to 5, okay? There will be a lot of tears in there, though. So, um, 
Next, we have Rethink Christmas. Last year, we had a really great time. Uh, we spent a lot of time creating gifts and sending things out to the community uh, just to show God's love to our community. We ended up sending out over 5,000 gifts, uh, which is just incredible when you think about the magnitude of that movement. Some of those gifts uh, were directed at people in our community, like teachers, uh, the fire department, policemen, literally um, focusing on people. And then others were just totally random acts of kindness, where people would take like a gift card or a little gift and shove it behind a cereal box. And so as somebody reaches for that box of Fruit Loops or whatever, they pull it out and find a gift from a Southfielder that's totally anonymous and just, again, just a totally random act of kindness um, to show God's love to our community. We're going to be doing things a little differently this year. We're going to take a grassroots approach. And so if you have an idea that you would like uh, to lead or to take on during this process, go ahead and let us know uh, because we would like to get that, um, get that going. If you're interested in just being involved, you can contact us too. You're, the email that you need to send that to is kim at southfieldchurch.com, and we will make sure to get back to you uh, on that. We also have an opportunity to reach out into our community as adults. We have um, Shanahan Junior High. We have a lot of connections over there. Uh, and they're going to be doing something called Lunch with a Purpose. And Lunch with a Purpose is an opportunity for us to spend time with the junior higher. And while I know that's even more terrifying than the Cubs winning the World Series, uh, it's, it's an opportunity to, to spend time with a kid who may not have two parents at home or may have just gone through a traumatic experience or is just having a really hard time uh, with junior high. For those of you who are parents of junior hires or for those of you who were junior hires, you know that's a really tough time. You also know that it's a, it's a malleable time. It's a time for us uh, to be able to have an, a really impactful influence on, on the lives of a junior hire. So uh, if you'd like to get involved with that, again, Kim at SouthfieldChurch.com. And uh, the, the cool thing about that is it's only once a week. You'll be meeting for 30 minutes, eating lunch with a junior hire, again, who's struggling with something. So if you'd like to get involved with that, Kim at SouthfieldChurch.com, and uh, we'll get you directed in the right uh, way. Students, next Sunday night, we have a high school like pumpkin decorating slash carving party. So if you can, bring your own pumpkin. If you don't have the opportunity to get out this week to get your own pumpkin, text me. Okay, uh, My information is on the Facebook website. All, it's all over the place. It's in the bulletin. Uh, get a hold of me so I can get your pumpkin for you. But again, that's going to be a really fun night. Finally, um, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so before everybody goes on vacation, before school is let out, all that, we are going to be doing our annual turkey bowl, okay? So getting the news out on that early, uh, we are going to be doing that right after church. Everybody, junior high age and up, is welcome to play. We're going to be doing it at uh, the Shanahan soccer field over there by the junior high where we used to have church. And again, it's a really good time, really awesome opportunity to invite people who, again, may have no uh, connection to this church or a church and just like to play football and see um, what this is all about. So Good deal. I'm going to go cry. Hey, hey, there, there's still time to come home. Like seven games, seven games. Never. It'll <laughs> never happen. And for any of you who think that these White Sox fans, Cardinal fans, anybody who has left the Cubs bandwagon is cheering for you, no. We're hoping for Kershaw Shank redemption tonight. This is this is, the, this is what we provide for our friends, little therapeutic moments to let off steam. Reality is hurting just a little bit too much. So as we close today, I want to remind you that up front at this table, there's always someone up here to pray. You may want to just come and, and pray with somebody about a, pray with somebody about a, a burden you have or, or a blessing in your life that you want to share. So you have that on your way out on either side table. There are Bibles there that are written in nice, plain American English. And if you need one of those, feel free to go ahead and take one. It's, it's our gift to you. We want you to, we want you to have that. So why don't you stand up and we're going to pray and we'll be headed on our way. Now, God in heaven, as, as we walk out of here, uh, we walk into a world that generally uh, yeah, is, is not wanting to be a friend of God. But there are people all around that do want friendship with God. And I pray that you will help us to find the, that magnetic common ground. And that in that, we may be just incredibly surprised by the person that's drawn to us, by the one that we are drawn toward, and the formation of a friendship. It may not ultimately look like David and Jonathan. But there will be glimmers. There will be spots. Maybe they won't bring us the whole package. 
but there will be one or two things that they are for us or we are for them that brings us toward the ultimate goal, not of just being able to say, I have a friend, but being able to say, I look a little bit more like Jesus because of you. I, I know a little bit more of what God sees in me because of what you see in me. Let that blessing come upon everyone in this room that desires it. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy your week. We'll see you soon.